So we're looking at God's Word, and in recent weeks we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And I've told you we're timing this with Easter, which is coming. And we will have an Easter celebration, a resurrection service, and we will then look at the church according to Scripture in the book of Acts. But for now, we're looking at what Jesus said about His people and how they're to be righteous in the earth. And remember, I've told you a few times that until you hear the badness of the bad news, you'll never know the goodness of the good news. And so in the last two weeks, we had two pretty hard talks where we saw that we fall short of the righteous standard that God has for every one of us. We have what we call the righteousness problem. And we have to be honest, each of us individually, that we are an unrighteous people. That's what Jesus needed his disciples to acknowledge. And that's what he calls us to acknowledge. This morning, we're going to see similarly, not just that we have a righteousness problem, but that we have a faith problem. We're a people of small faith, and we're called to have a large faith, a big faith. And so this morning, the kingdom and kingdom people are not to be anxious people. We're not to be worrisome people. We're not to be fretful people. But we're to know by faith that we have a heavenly Father who knows our needs and who has proven himself faithful in meeting those needs. And we're to be calm in the midst of hardship. We're to be calm in the midst of when the world panics. There should be a strange, inexplicable calm to the Christian. But we do have a faith problem. And this morning, we'll address it head on. Give your attention to the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. It's a favorite passage of mine every spring in working with students as they near graduation. As young men and women prepare to marry, uh, as college students wonder where that next job will come or where they will live, as high school students fill out scholarship information, there's much to worry about. And a passage like this ministers to each of us. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus said, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, 
you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. A lot of words, a lot of good promises. Let's pray that God would help us to believe this. Lord, would you work these truths into our fretful and worrisome hearts? Would you bring that gospel calm that only your word can bring? Would you make us a people of kingdom priorities? And Lord, would you increase our faith that it is not so small in every one of us? And we ask this and we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I've been a bit anxious and worried about this sermon all week. And especially this opening illustration, which I'm taking a risk here. So in 1991, comedian Bill Murray starred in a movie that is near and dear to my heart. He played alongside Richard Dreyfuss in a movie called What About Bob? And maybe a few of you have seen this. The rest of you are judging me already. <laughs> but it is a movie that is near and dear to my heart for a couple of reasons, one of which you'll see in just a moment. But the story, for the many of you who have not seen it, is that comedian Bill Murray plays a psychiatric patient who has many problems. And he's bounced from doctor to doctor Doctors just can't take much more of them, and so they'll refer him to another doctor. And he gets bounced around to various uh, psychologists, psych psychiatrists. And then finally, in the purpose of this movie, he has hope that there is one man who can heal him. Dr. Leo Marvin. Dr. Leo Marvin has just written a cutting-edge book uh, for patients like Bob Wiley, titled Baby Steps. Baby Steps. Baby Steps Towards Improving. Baby Steps Towards Fixing Yourself. And so at the beginning of the movie, Bob Wiley comes in excited to meet his new doctor, hoping that he will take him under his care. And this is what is said. Dr. Leo Marvin says to his patient, Have a seat. Now tell me what is wrong. And Bob Wiley says this, The simplest way to put it, I have problems. I worry about diseases, so I have trouble touching things. In public places, it's almost impossible for me. He says, I really have a problem just with moving. As long as I'm in my apartment, I'm okay. But when I go out into the world, I get weird. I get dizzy spells. 
nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary tremors, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort, and the the therapist interrupts him after this long litany of problems. And the therapist says, well, what is it you're truly afraid of? And Bob Wiley then has a list of what ifs. Well, what if my heart stops beating? What if I'm out in public looking for a bathroom and I can't find it and my bladder explodes? And finally, the therapist has just had enough. He's like, you are dominated by the what ifs. The things that could go wrong. Now, this is one reason why I like the movie. is because we're the same way. We are a people of what ifs. Some of us more than others. But we will create things to worry about. Because the truth is, in this world... There are a lot of things that can go wrong. Therefore, there are a lot of things that we could choose to worry and fear and stress about. And that's the first point of the sermon. Thanks to Bob Wiley. There are all kinds of what ifs. There are all kinds of things. And some of you, you know yourselves or your family members, some of you can wring your hands and be an anxious ball of fear out of all the things that could happen. And it's true. There are a lot of what ifs. There are a lot of things that could go wrong. And those of you who have children, teenagers learning to drive or the first few nights that they're gone from the house driving in the dark, right? You know what it is to conclude something horrible has happened, right? We're anxious worriers, not just moms, dads too, right? There are all kinds of things that could go wrong. But who taught us how to worry? Who taught you how to worry? Who taught you how to fret? Who taught you how to be anxious? Well, nobody had to teach us, did they? We are inclined to worry, to fret, and to fear. The human heart really is an anxious muscle that is fretful and fearful of everything that could possibly go wrong. Now, some are more so than others, but it's in every one of us. And statistics can tell you most anything that you want them to, but it is just true We have a lot of people struggling with anxiety and stress and fear. And now we have medications for it. And many are medicated for help just to take the edge off of the worry, the pressure, the stress that can overwhelm us. Adults and youth alike are overwhelmed by circumstances in life. The top three things that people stress and worry and fear and freak out the most about, you could probably come up with a similar list, but it seems to be money and finances, health, and our family and loved ones being okay, their well-being, their success in life. Those are the three areas that dominate our fears and that cause deep, anxious worry within each of us. You know, those who are anxious and worrisome 
They don't sleep very well at night. They may not eat properly. They don't take care of themselves. And in that way, anxious worry and the stress that it brings can unravel human beings. And one problem can now lead to greater problems, other problems that unravel us. So what Jesus says about worry, what Jesus says about our heart here, what he says to disciples of his about worry is truly important to our well-being, both to our faith and to our life. And Jesus says in verse 25a, he says, we worry about the things that we prioritize, the things that we think matter most. And Jesus gives us a list. He gives us insight into these people, these disciples living at this time in this culture. And do you know what they worried about? The same kind of things that we do. Common human fears. Life, food, drink, the body, and clothes. That's what Jesus itemizes as the priorities of their heart. And we know that. We know in our own ways those categories overlap with ours. And then we could add to that that we also have this profound fear of the unknown future. What we might call the things outside of our control, which is everything, by the way, right? We pretend that there are things that we control. We don't control anything. And so therefore, we'll be anxious about everything because we cannot truly control a thing. And beautifully and strangely, to all that worry, that fret, that fear, Jesus says, do not worry. Don't worry about it, right? You ever have a teacher that would say that? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It can seem calloused and uncaring, depending on what follows it. But Jesus doesn't follow it with anything less than gospel wonder and beauty for his disciples. Jesus would say, do not worry about such things. Dan Doriani, who you've heard me quote a number of times, a former professor of mine, says this, Jesus forbids our worry about food, drink, clothing, or any other material need. He knows our needs. He loves us and cares for us. Because He knows we are prone to worry, Jesus supplies logical arguments and life illustrations to calm our hearts and to call us to trust Him. And we have good reasons to stop worrying and to trust God. Jesus says not to worry about such things. Jesus said to His disciples, life is more than these things. So if you want a philosophy of Jesus and his view of life, he has just defined and said it is not about material things. There's something far more valuable and important than the physical things that we fret about. There's something unseen that makes life beautiful and wonderful. Life is more than these things, he says in verse 25. And he then offers what I'll call an antidote for our worry. It's what Dan Doriani just called... Uh, in his own words, as a professor would, logical arguments 
and life illustrations. But that really is what Jesus does. Listen to this antidote for worry that Jesus offers disciples. It is essentially faith and reason. So when you worry, when I worry, we're to apply faith and reason to our circumstances, to our situation. And here's what Jesus gave his disciples. He gave them the illustration of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And you know this passage. Uh, You've heard this probably most of your life. But Jesus is saying this. Consider the birds of the air. They're not freaking out. They're not worried. God provides for them. Everything they need is there. And consider the flowers of the field. It's beautiful. It's dressed out in more splendor than Solomon himself. God provides for his creation. And if he provides for his creation, how much more will he provide for you who are created in his image and his likeness? And in those words, Jesus reminds us that we are more valuable than the creation we see around us. So Jesus gives logical arguments. He basically says this, think again when you're worrying. Or as one of our hymns says, ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with His, friend, if with his love He befriend thee. Ponder anew. Think again is what that means. Think again in the midst of your worry that God loves you. He knows what you need and He will provide and care for you. But the truth is, we have a faith problem. Every one of us. We're people of little faith. We have small faith. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. So in the previous weeks, we've heard Jesus say that we have a righteousness problem. And now he's telling us that we have a faith problem. In verse 30, he says, your faith is too small. Oh, you of little faith. And that had to hurt a little bit. That had to tweak a little bit, right? Here, we're your disciples. We've been following you, and we have small faith. But Jesus tells them the truth. Essentially, he could also say, your faith is nearsighted. Which is to say, we see this far in front. We don't know what's to come. But God says, with me, everything's going to be faithful and true. And you can have confidence in my provision. So our faith is small. Our faith is nearsighted. And I'm convinced in my short life and my short time of ministry, I think every one of us, young and old, has one driving question that is behind all of this, that dominates our hearts and our minds. And the question is simply this, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Because I don't feel like this is going to work out for me. And Jesus is saying right here to his disciples, in me, you are going to be okay. You're going to be more than okay. This has always been humanity's great concern and our fear. Our call to worship, Psalm 25. Listen to what we heard and listen to what the psalm writer reveals to us. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. 
I want to be okay. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. And then he resolves in verse 3. Hmm. He ponders anew. He thinks again. He says, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But those will be put to shame who are treacherous without cause or faithless without reason. Some have translated that. Man, humanity is always fearful and fretful that I'm not going to be okay. This isn't going to work out for me. It's up to me to fix this. It's up to me to pilot my life into the future or to pilot my family's well-being into the future. And Jesus is saying, stop fretting and fearing and worrying and trust your heavenly Father. Be faithful and you're going to be okay. Now that doesn't mean you're going to get exactly what you want the way that you want it, but it does mean in the end, ultimately, you and I are in good hands. And we always have been. My fourth point and my last point is this. Jesus says we must reorder what we seek first. We must reorder what we seek first. The things that we're seeking first Jesus says those are the things that the pagans run after as a priority. Those who have no promise of having a heavenly father. But you are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That our priorities are to be reordered in this way. That we now care about things that we wouldn't have cared about otherwise. Again, Dan Doriani says this. Seeking the kingdom first means dethroning other things like wealth and possessions as our primary pursuits. Kingdom people do not hoard treasure on earth. Instead, we store up treasure in heaven by giving to kingdom purposes. Do you hear what he's saying there? The kingdom frees up kingdom people to not be dominated with the fears and the worries of this life, but to see that their resources are constantly provided by a faithful heavenly father. And now we take those resources and we don't hoard them selfishly. We think of ways to give them, to serve through the church, to offer others the abundance of what God has given us. It's a total reordering of our priorities. It's how the gospel works in us. The things that humanly we would grasp and hold on to as I must have this, somehow the gospel and the kingdom work in us and help us to see these things aren't essential. I don't grasp these things, these people, these places, these things. I have a loose grip on the things of this life. And I trust that the Lord will always abundantly provide what I need to make it to the next day. And that's being reordered by the king and his kingdom. Being given new priorities of your time and your talents and your possessions. And only disciples of Jesus, only disciples of Jesus would ever desire to let go of something that this world cherishes. And even disciples of Jesus struggled to do it. Every one of us. 
But there's this liberating, this freedom that comes with the Gospel. It sets anxiety loose and says, there's nothing to be anxious about if our Heavenly Father promises that not a hair can fall from our head apart from His will. And that's what He would tell His disciples. And so there's much to bring calm into your life and my life when our priorities are reordered. So if you're sitting there as a high school senior, does this mean don't fill out those college scholarship applications? Is that what he said? Don't worry about it? No, 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 no. We still fill those applications out and we pray about those and we pray for the Lord's leading. But we don't worry, stress, fear, and freak out about the outcome. We trust the Lord with the outcome, that He'll provide what we need. Well, is He saying that I don't need to go see the doctor about that thing? No, 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 no. Go see the doctor about that concern. But don't worry, fear, and freak out. There's a strange calm available to the Christian that whatever the outcome of this is, God's will be done. God's will be done. So whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, if it's financial, if it's anything related to the cares of this life, Jesus is saying, remember you have a heavenly Father. He knows. He knows what your needs are. Trust Him. And no one who trusts in Him will ever be put to shame. Ever. That's an Old Testament promise. That's a New Testament promise. That's a promise of God that we would not be a people who fret, who worry, who fear, or who freak out about the future. Let the pagans run and panic over such things. But for kingdom people, there's a calm there's a peace. There's a confidence that's rooted in God's character, God's promises, and God's proven faithfulness. As C.S. Lewis said, you've heard that quote, where he says, Be of courage. Remember, you are between the paws of the true Aslan. Remember that? Beautiful imagery. We're, we're in between the paws of the most powerful one the world has ever known. And he said that he loves us. And he cares for us. And so we need to check our what-ifs at the door. Oh, there are all kinds of things that could go wrong. But we are between the paws of the one who rules and reigns over every square inch of creation. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? The peace of God that transcends all understanding. That calm, that gospel calm that is inexplicable. Can't explain it. 
but it's what God offers His people. And then verses 19 and 20 of Philippians 4. My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. There are all kinds of things that could go wrong for us. As soon as we walk out of the doors of the church, our phone could ring and there could be crisis. Something horrible certainly could happen. But we are between the paws of the one true king. And whatever comes against us, it won't undo us. God can supply the riches of heaven to meet our needs. And Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Four times in that passage, he tells his disciples, don't worry about it. That's a hard one to apply because I'm a good worrier just like you are. I can come up with the list of what ifs. But let's pray for one another that we really would be disciples who have a strange calmness that the world does not understand. And that the Lord might use that through us this week to minister to the people around us who are running around and panicking about things they can never control. Let's pray that that would be true. Lord, we confess to you, we, we do not pretend. We are a worrying people. We are anxious. We come up with a list of what ifs that we can fear and stress and worry about. But Lord, I pray that this morning you have reminded your people that you love them and that you know what they need, young and old. And Lord, even as we sing this great hymn of confidence, may it go with us that whatever may come at us this week, this month, this year, that we can say God's will be done and it is well with our soul. And we ask this and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.